0: Hey lovely listener, um, it's Michaela here, one of the co-hosts of this podcast. I'm just going to jump in before we get into the episode um, to let you know something that I'm involved with that is very exciting, kind of scary, um, and that I announced publicly yesterday but have been working on for quite a long time with some other wonderful, amazing people. So, drumroll, um, <laughs> I'm taking the UK government to court. I'm one of three claimants filing a court case against the UK government for spending public money on supporting the oil and gas industry. I'm really excited to be involved with this. Um, It is something that I think could possibly like create some change um, and highlight some of the issues that exist. And here's just kind of some information behind the case. So in 2015, the UK legislated an official policy of maximizing economic recovery of oil and gas in the North Sea. This polluter's mandate has kept the door open for reckless drilling and exploration at the exact time when we should be winding down oil and gas extraction. But it doesn't stop there. Oil and gas companies aggressively lobbied the government to get massive tax cuts and they've been wildly successful. The UK provides more subsidies to the fossil fuel industry than any country in Europe, but receives less money back than any of our neighbours. In Norway, the government receives about twenty-one US dollars per barrel of oil, and in the UK, we receive less than $2. It gets worse. In recent years, oil and gas companies like BP and Shell have actually paid zero tax and receive hundreds of millions in handouts. That's worth repeating. The UK taxpayer received nothing from big polluters in those years. We paid them millions to keep drilling. Propped up by our money, the UK is the most profitable country in the world for oil and gas producers. The industry uses that money to fuel more extraction. They win and we all lose. So if you've been following my work for a while, um, whether it's on the podcast or on Instagram, and you've seen the organising that I've been involved with, I've been involved in a lot of organising around pushing for a green and just transition and to move funding and subsidies and support away from the oil and gas industry and instead towards a just transition for all of us, The UK government is sacrificing us for profit in the way that they are giving these these breaks and supporting a declining industry which is causing ecocidal harm. And I hope that this legal case um, against the UK Oil and Gas Authority, which is a state-owned body, um, will actually create some change. Um, I think this is something that could be really impactful um, and I'm really excited and honoured to be a part of it. And if you would like to... um, Learn more about the case than if you go to paidtopollute.org.uk. There's more information on the case um, and how you can help. And if you'd like to help um, on the paidtopollute.org.uk, you can find the petition. Um, I know that I talk about sometimes how petitions are a bit naff, um, but this is something that is really helpful and could really help our case and really help show public support for our case. Um, So please do sign the petition. Please do share about this case. Please talk about the... um, the complicity that this government has um with supporting these industries um and let's kind of call for change um whether it's within this case or in other ways and um, we all need to organize around this as well um and i just really hope that i can get your support and thank you so much for listening to me chat about this about a bit more um, and there's more information about all of this on paid to pollute on instagram and twitter and also on my own account at michaela loach um and we'll just get into the episode now Hi, I'm Michaela Loach. And I'm Rebecca. And this is the Yikes Podcast. Hey everyone and welcome back to another episode of the Yikes podcast, the podcast about all the things that can make us yikes. All these different issues of social injustice and movements and activism and how that can feel really overwhelming. But instead of yikesing and running away, we want to lean into the yikes of everything and instead move towards collective action together. Um, And today's episode is the last one of season three. Oh my gosh, that season has actually
1: flown by. Um, Mm, I know, and we were like, oh like we can just like keep going,
0: blah, 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 blah. And we're gonna take a break, guys. Cause Cause we chat so much shit about <laughs> <laughs> resistance and rest and everything. And then we don't take our own advice. Mm-hmm. I feel like so often we'll listen back to our own episodes and be like, wow, they they say like maybe we should take that advice. Yeah, like maybe yeah, that's take it ourselves.
1: A proper drag because um we need to actually listen to the advice that, you know, we share. <laughs> So we're going to take a little rest and it's just exciting mm-hmm. even to think of like what we're going to, you know, do in the next season once we ha- have yeah. like more brain capacity again, because we're running low mm-hmm. on brain space mm-hmm. right now. So, um, yeah. And that also means everyone can live their best lives uh, when lockdown is, you know, and you don't have to hear us chatting all the time. <laughs>
0: Or you can just go through old episodes. True. Um, (laughs) But um, also, it's just like wild to me that we've done three whole seasons Mm. of this podcast. Like, I don't know, the fact that we just kind of started it out of the blue, like with absolutely no experience or help really, um, just having got a grant to be able to buy ourselves some mics and started recording in Finn's bedroom. (laughs) And then (laughs) um, the pandemic Lovato started and we've been recording from our like separate bedrooms instead Literally. um but it's just it's just like i don't know i'm i'm just very like proud of this space yeah i'm really proud of it yeah um and i'm proud of our whole community and especially like the community we built on patreon and just also seeing people like learning and unlearning and being vulnerable and everything mm-hmm. in response to what we talk about i just find it really like genuinely moving and um yeah i'm so grateful for everyone who listens to the pod and we're grateful for all of you yeah um and this is maybe a good point to say Um, If you enjoy the podcast, if you want to give us a a review on Apple Podcasts, um, we've learned that apparently that means something and helps more people find the podcast. So if you just give us like a quick, amazing five-star review, even just one line, um, it'll really help the podcast um, reach more people. And if you enjoy it, that's something, that's a way you can kind of like help us out a little bit. Um, Another way you can also help us out is Patreon, but there'll be more info about that coming up later on in the episode. Mm
1: -hmm. Um, Yeah, and we thought, Today, we're just going to share some inspirations we've been going through recently, some stuff that we've learned and mm-hmm. that we just like want to share. But before we like get more into that episode, we just want to say a quick note on solidarity to all those people uh, around the world in resistance against oppressive systems, uh, the legacies mm-hmm. and the current uh, the p- presence of colonialism um, and state violence and yeah, all other oppressive forces, especially in Colombia uh in india in uh
0: palestine in myanmar yeah and we also recognize that we'll be missing out a lot of places and a lot of things that are going on um but those are just the ones that i think both of us have just been aware of recently um but we recognize that we'll be very limited in in what we're aware of um but we wanted to send out solidarity to all oppressed people around the world who are um fighting for their rights and their right to live um and if you haven't heard about um these issues also i'd like to add on um Uh, missing and murdered indigenous relatives um because all of these issues i think are ones that people have found have been censored a lot online um or there's a glitch we don't know if it's censorship but Mm -hmm. it's something that i feel like isn't reaching people in the way that they should um and so definitely if you don't know about these issues you can look them up and see how you can support um and how we can as a global community support each other
1: yeah, there's so many, like, mutual aid groups that you can either donate to, like, share, like, talk about it in all the spaces you're in. Um, Like, there's links, you know, to, like, feed people and, like, send money to, like, be able to feed people in the revolution in Colombia, for example. Mm-hmm. And, like, there's so many, yeah, and, like, talking about it and sharing it and, like, also, you know, like, holding your own, like, for example, the UK is very complicit in, for example, training the pol- like the police in Colombia, mm-hmm. therefore like holding our own governments accountable does like is super important. So yeah, wherever mm-hmm. you are, like you know, there are things that we can do as a collective.
0: Today we are just going to be talking about things that have been inspiring us, things we've been learning and unlearning from, um, and I think that's kind of a nice way for us to end seasons. This is kind of what we did at the end of season two, um, and it, maybe we'll carry on doing it because I think it's quite nice, because I think that what we're trying to do in this space um, is learn and unlearn and, and be open with where we've been like wrong about things, and also open with where we don't know everything, like we never try and pretend that we are right about everything and know everything um and there's so much more that we can learn and unlearn and i think it's important for us to be kind of open about that um so this will be like things that have been inspiring us things we've been learning and learning from and one thing i'll start off if that's mm-hmm. right joe yeah go for yeah. it one thing that i have learned a lot from and like unlearned a lot from um is the documentary crip camp on netflix mm-hmm. um i had seen a lot of people post about this um Saying that it was really great and everything. And if I'm being completely honest, um, I think because of the how overwhelming the world has been recently, I put off watching it for quite a long time mm. because I would find that kind of at the end of the day when I'd watch something, I'd be really exhausted. And I was like, I don't know if I can watch something mm. that might be also really like emotionally taxing. Um but I sat down, I watched it after going to one of the Kill the Bill protests actually. And it was so important. It was so incredibly important. and um, If people don't know what it is, um, Crip Camp is a um documentary about the disability revolution um and disability movement um in the United States and about a camp um for like disabled people, uh, especially disabled teenagers, um, to go to where they could be completely themselves and kind of outside of a lot of the ableism that exists in this world. Um so the first half of the documentary kind of follows the camp and the second half follows more of like the civil rights movement for, for disabled rights and things like that. Um, and it was just so deeply moving because, and in a different way than I expected. Like, I feel like it was just done in such a way of of, of so much joy in a weird way. Like there was so much joy in all of it, in the way that um, there was obviously lots of important truths that were told, especially around ableism and how this world um, treats disabled people, which was so important. But there was also so much like disabled joy in the whole thing as well. And like movements joy and coalition building. And mm. they showed like occupations and how the Black Panthers like helped out with occupations um, during the disabled civil rights movement and how like unions would help and feminists would help like loads of different groups were working together. And it was just so beautiful. And, and I just cried for like the beauty of it. Mm. Like I was like fully like bawling because I was like, this is just so beautiful because I felt like I was watching... Coalition in Action. I was watching Mm -hmm. A New World being built in action. And this was a movement that I just didn't know that much about. Like I didn't know about the history of the of the civil rights movement. Um, so I genuinely can't recommend it more because honestly, I found it so uplifting and challenging and important. Um, I just really loved it. And it's on Netflix, it's also on YouTube Mm -hmm. for free. Um if it helps anyone motivate them to watch it, it was also nominated for an Oscar, sadly didn't win. Sadly didn't win. *Oxford* Teacher won. Yeah, I'm sad they didn't win. I haven't actually watched the Octopus one, but I've heard it's good. Mm. But I am sad they didn't win more because I think these wins do make people watch things more. And this is something that I'm like, everyone needs to watch this. Mm -hmm. Um, But hopefully a few of you will watch it after kind of hearing a bit about that and how it's inspired me.
1: I've definitely, like when I did um, the civil rights uh, or like civil disobedience course last year, um they like we had like a whole session on kind of like the movie and that and those rights and I remember Mm. like being so inspired because the way that they like really build coalition like you were just saying is something Mm -hmm. you know is like because a lot of times like ableism is such like and when it's talked about is it's an add-on and like that's so Mm. toxic in so many movements and like even like when we think of like you know actions or something like it's yeah, there's not enough in the spaces that I've definitely been in, like, not enough talked about, like, it's not been, mm. yeah. Um, and so, yeah, so I really, I need to really finish it Um, as well. Um,
0: I've only seen parts it's of it. It's but... generally just, like, so uplifting. I feel mm. like if anyone is feeling, like, a bit hopeless or, like, mm. demotivated and things like that as well, I can't recommend watching it more because it'll just... Remind you of the power of like collective action as well, mm. because the actions that were done um by these individuals and these groups of individuals um have made like all people's lives better um and were so impactful and so important um so if you're feeling it, if you're feeling a bit demotivated, I can't recommend watching it more. If you're feeling anything, I can't recommend watching it. Cause I'm just like, I yeah. want you to watch it. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah um, so Joe, I'd like to hear about one of your inspirations or challenging things or whatever you're going to say. Um, sure. Um, I wanted to
1: uplift one of the books that has like, I feel like really changed my life. I don't know. I like even, I was thinking about it today. Like when I was like looking of like what, you know, what am I going to share and stuff? And I, even just thinking about this book like makes me like just have so many different feels. So it's called mm-hmm. um, "Against the Loveless World," um, and it's basically the story um, about a young Palestinian woman and how she becomes like radicalized um, in the search of her roots, um, fighting Israeli occupation um, and being being displaced from her from a home in Kuwait, um, which. The, her family was already replaced too um, from Palestine. Um, And it's just like, I don't know, like the story of like her, like in the resistance and fighting, like the rage, but also like the joy and like the deeply mm. love that is like shared in this book for like community, for family and friends, like for lovers, but also like for the land is something uh. that is... I don't know, I've n- I've never like read a book like this. Um, and yeah, it's really, really beautiful. And like they talk also like about like international like solidarity movements, and like um, and for example, like there's this quote by um by Baldwin. Um, and it goes like Mr. Baldwin tells Big James, here you were to be loved, to be loved, baby, hard at once and forever to strengthen you against the loveless world. And it's just like, mm. I remember just reading this for the first time and just bawling my eyes out because I was like, fucking hell, like this often I, like, you know, this is often such a loveless world, but being strength, like the way and like the hardships that these communities like go through, um, like there was like, I'm not not going to spoil anything, but there was like one instance, you know, where like just caring for the trees in their community um, and on on their grounds was like is illegal because of occupation, but like they went they went out and like at night to like constantly water the trees because that is and, like because it is part of their community and it's also like heritage and it's you know survival and it's food and it's sharing and and I was like I don't know this is something that like I've never experienced in my own community and I so I can't at all like you know relate to but it's been just so influential uh, in my thinking recently of, um, mm. yeah. But also it wasn't, it wasn't just about like the rate, like it was also about joy and like, ha- you know, holding all of that in one. I was just, I was just like, oh my gosh, this is, yeah. This is such a complex, loveless,
0: l- loveful world. Um, mm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I, I love that. I think that's so... I, that makes me want to read that book. I've got mm. such a long list of books I need to read. But that sounds so great. And I think that, yeah, what you're we talking about, like a loveless, loveful world, that is kind of what we're living in. Mm. And that's what's so difficult, I think. And and in many ways, like you get punished for like loving yeah. sometimes and like choosing, like, choosing love. Um, yeah. And so, oh, that sounds really, really like interesting as well. And the context in which it's written sounds really interesting mm. as well.
1: Yeah, yeah. And it's such a, you know, like... I don't know like the especially how like for example like land is used to punish people and like the like the Mm -hmm. burning of crops or like occupation of just like land and you know so many times like I think it's not being talked enough about like the the relationship that we have like to to land is a is a family relationship if that exists and like being uprooted in ways through like forced displacement and stuff is is also like a cutting off of of that heritage and like I put like I personally like don't have these experiences like from where I grew up so reading it from you know like from their perspective and like also like this you know following this woman's journey from like a child growing up and find like in the search of those roots is yeah which is like so incredible like I read this book in probably like two days or something like I couldn't put it down and I Mm. I grieve for probably two weeks after finishing this book
0: (laughs) (laughs) you always grieve you're always like I've just finished a book
1: I'm grieving Um,
0: (laughs) but but I that's why I I think I love so much about books is like it gives you the opportunity to 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 like have a huge amount of empathy for people who live very different life experiences than you because you you have some sort of like intimate insight mm-hmm. into that life experience um, because like you're translating words on a page into like images and emotions and feelings in your mind mm-hmm. and that is like a hugely emotional um, and intimate experience and I just think that yeah, that's why I, I love books and I love fiction as well as non-fiction because yeah. um, I think it can just be like really really like deeply life-changing mm-hmm. um, and yeah oh I love that that sounds great yeah do you want to share another um inspiration? Yeah, sure. So this is this is a book. Mm-hmm. This is a book, this next one. Um and I don't think I've mentioned it on the podcast yet. Um, but I recently read, last week I read um, We Will Not Cancel Us, or maybe it was the week before, by Adrian Marie Brown, who's someone who Joe kind of introduced me to um and who I first heard speak on um a panel um, with Angela Davis, um, about 50 years of radical feminist futures for UC Davis. And it was really great. And in that panel, um, Adrienne Marie Brown kind of talked about her perception and understanding and kind of dissection of, of cancel culture. And I found it really moving what she said then. And she mentioned then I've got a book coming out on this. And this was like in, I think like June of, of 2020 and, I had been waiting until like last week for this book to come out. When it finally did, I went to my local bookstore ASAP to pick up my pre-order um, and finished it the day after or that day. It's very, very, very short. Like it's less than a hundred pages. It's kind of like a long essay. Um, and recently because of, the pandemic and pandemic fatigue and exhaustion, I found it really hard to read books mm. that are <laughs> long or like uh, are longer books um, because I think my brain just gets really exhausted. So I've actually found kind of these like pamphlet or like long essays um, really helpful for me to still kind of be engaged in challenging my thoughts and ideas and things mm. um, in a way that I can actually do right now. Um, and in this book, Adrian rebrand basically uses a lens of um, transformative justice to look at, how we're utilizing cancel culture in our movements. And Adrian is like, is very specific about the terms of the discussion and like what she means and the limitations of the discussion and the mm. fact that like, she might've understood things wrong or like, and, and she's very, very sensitive about everything she's doing. So I would really recommend to people, um do you have a read of the book, especially if you're someone kind of like myself who I think I was very much like almost pro cancel culture for a while. Mm-hmm. I think, but I think that was like in many ways, um, a response to trauma and I think a lot of us like that's how we kind of react sometimes um but I was really challenged by Adrian Marie Brown's words like looking at cancel culture through an abolitionist lens Mm -hmm. and it made me realize how much um I turned accountability into punishment um so like I'd made it that in order for someone to be accountable for something they might have to be punished but those are the same ideas that the caste system Mm -hmm. uses and that, that prisons and police use. Those are the same ideas that I say that I reject. And yet I would kind of like hold those ideals in movement spaces or online spaces. Um, and it just made me realize how much I was in contradiction to a lot of my beliefs in how I was acting in some spheres. And it it like had real term actions or real time um, kind of responses because like I, I did reach out to some people that I'd previously wanted to cancel or even had been involved in, in cancelling or calling out Weber. Um but call it but also I want to say that the book doesn't say you shouldn't call people out. There's a really good part at the end where it talks about how you still should call people out, but there's a way in which we can do it in a in a way that we're wanting to move forward rather than just to blame an individual for like a whole systemic issue. Um but it's basically challenged me a lot and made me look towards um transformative justice more and just I think it's important to challenge the ideas that we have in the world um and reflect on how much they are how much our actions are reflecting the values that we hold um I find it even hard to talk about this here more because I recognize that I won't be able to (laughs) explain this as well as Adrian did in her book which is why I think you should just go and read and we will not cancel us um it was five pounds as well which is like I mean there are also like pay it forward schemes um at lighthouse bookshop and other bookshops are available as well but that's my local indie bookstore um i would really recommend just having a read um of it and i'm just going to quickly um read a quote from it um i have a vision of movement as sanctuary not a tiny perfectionist utopia behind miles of barbed wire and walls and fences and tests and judgments and righteousness but a vast sanctuary where our experiences as humans who've experienced and caused harm are met with centered, grounded invitations to grow. And I just found that really beautiful. And then there's another thing that I wanna read just because I wanna make it clear that I'm not saying you shouldn't call people out. Um, This is an epilogue and it was written by Malaika Devish Cyril. That's why our way forward isn't to dismiss call-outs or urge people to stop. No, our words are powerful and are meant to be heard. The way forward is to forge abolition with both hands in the dirt, building empathy in the mirror. It's to remember that innocence is never a prerequisite for human dignity nor for human rights and freedom. That the words we speak aloud offer a prediction for what will be and must therefore manifest not our smallest vision for the world but our biggest. And oh, yeah, I, love I think. That. Yeah, that's why I'll leave that with that. But it's, it's so beautiful mm. and moving and I think it reminded me to like, to connect my humanity in how I, I interact with people. Mm -hmm. and I want to add a note here corporations are not people I don't care what the in the US says Um, so I'm not saying that like we can 100% cancel the fossil fuel industry like 100,000% do not take this as like a way to like defend a corporation or a business but I do think we should reflect on how we treat other human beings Mm -hmm. obviously there are power things that come into play Adrian goes into this really really well but I would just recommend having a a we reflect on this
1: We don't need to be nice to corporations. They're not humans. No. They don't have sentient feelings. Like uh-huh. but um oh I really, really love that. I got that book um the other day as well. So I can't I can't wait to dive into it. Because I love Adrian's like work. Um I love like her visions and like her Yeah, I don't like her I think just like commitment to movements is something that mm. um that yeah i don't know i i feel really really inspired by her work and um emergent strategy as well pleasure activism Mm -hmm. i think she really um introduced me or like kind of like humbled me in many ways through her work that we deserve joy in movement spaces Mm -hmm. which Mm -hmm. i think for so for for so long like i was just not um allowing myself to feel even though i think it's like even when other people had it i was like I don't know, and then and then I think I got to a point where I was like, okay, good for you guys, but like I'm gonna be over here like wanting to almost like making myself suffer and like feel really bad all the time, um, which you know um, it's not it's often not actually um that helpful in the long run, especially. So um, yeah, I think through her work, I really, yeah, it was really transformative for me in many many ways. Um. Mm yeah and actually another book on on this um because i really liked how like how you reflected on like the like leaderships and like how we deal you know with people because i think like recognizing that when we exist in these toxic systems like we obviously internalize a lot of things so Mm. like even when we are in movement spaces even when we want to be working on like unlearning and like on like justice like it's not as soon as we enter a movement space that we have suddenly unlearned everything like that is why like you know patriarchal forces are so strong in movement spaces or white supremacy or classism and ableism and all of these things so um i learned a lot from um charlene karatis um in unapologetic a uh, a black queer feminist mandate for radical movements um who she was one of the key organizers in the byp 100 Um, during the first uprising of the Black Lives Matter um, resistance um, a few years ago in the U.S. And, um, yeah, in the book, like, they talk a lot about kind of, like, how how to a lot of times, for example, like, protect individuals in movement spaces to the public, but how to deal internally with the toxicity that might be going on um, and, like, how to, yeah, like, kind of, like, hold accountable whilst protecting them mm-hmm. from the institutions that are going to harm them mm-hmm. if they turn against this individual and i thought that was really really interesting um for me and also um i remember being so challenged because they they hold like there was one chapter on leadership and they were saying you like the best type of leadership is to make yourself um dispensable and mm, um yes i yeah you know like and it's that. like like the, the, like we're all leaders in some way, but like, um, what, like leadership should be that you train and share tools for other people mm-hmm. to do the work and not being dependent on you. And I was like, mm-hmm. because I like, you know, even when we think of like schooling, like is our education system built up in a way that like, that mm-hmm. that is the point, 100%. like everywhere, like I felt like I looked, I was like, leadership is portrayed in a way that upholds power hierarchies and just delegates yeah. tasks. Rather than wanting to pull you to their, to their space wherever they are, and then yeah. so that like you actually like, share the task or like they take over,
0: and I was like, damn, yeah, I think a lot of that also comes from like the scarcity mindset mm. that I think a lot of us are put into. It's like there's only space for a very small few of people to have these skills and do these things. Yeah, um, and I think that also means that we're like. Encouraged to be in competition with each other in this really weird way. Yeah. And we don't like share resources in the same way. And it all comes from capitalism, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but also I think it encourages people. I don't know. I-, I was talking about this on an event with Shadow that um Shadow Mag that I did last. So when you're gonna know when we're recording this now because I did last night, um, where we were talking about like black imagination and a black future and anti-racism work today. Um and part of it, I think I was talking a bit about how. I think this really connects with the idea of like there being one leader or only a few amount of people. It also encourages like a lack of honesty about where we don't know things. And like this, this culture of saying I am an expert on something when maybe you're not, or like I, because, because you almost have to perform this. It's like the whole fake it till you make it idea. Mm. But actually if we were just honest about like, okay, I'm not actually that, like, I don't know everything here and I'd love help in this area or I'd love to like, well, I can draw on someone else in this area. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can, and the, the skills that I have, I can share that with that person. And, and we can like share things more. I just think that yeah. that would be much more conducive to change. Um, but instead, and I don't, this is not me blaming anyone for doing this because I think it's all, well, this is a product of the capitalist system. Mm-hmm. Um, but we do, yeah, we do, we are in, we act as if we are in competitive competition with each other. And I noticed in my behavior how I will still do that. And I need to check myself on that a lot.
1: Yeah, yeah, of course. Though, like, I mean, it's yeah, it's really, really, um, harmful, even like to ourselves, you know, and like obviously to our communities and stuff. And I read um the quote saying um if um scar- scarcity is permanent, if ones are unlimited, and like if we mm-hmm. and I like for me that was just like quite hitting because I was like if we never if we never feel like anything is enough, then we will always come from a place of scarcity and Mm, um mm -hmm. you know and like and sometimes like it's it's really okay to like acknowledge and like when anything is enough and like that might just be in our own lives like I was talking to a friend about you know like even the way that we um see our own jobs as worthy or unworthy depending on like the you know the backgrounds that we have but that also like Mm. you know because especially when you've been in education for example and then you do a job that hasn't isn't related to for example this education field there is such um, a stigma around but also we've internalized it so much that from like you know it's it's really harmful to ourselves but it also means that when other people do these jobs we often look down on them and mm. um i think there was like a big especially around like may day last week um you know and thinking about like the labor uh, struggles historically and, and still currently like the classism that exists so deeply rooted in all of us even the way that we look down on people who are literally sustaining us and who are doing Mm -hmm. far far more important jobs than Mm -hmm. some other like high like what we see as high qualified or you know like um not all of all of it is important but um yeah often the most important stuff I feel like is so undervalued be- yeah, because sure. it can so easily be exploited by the systems mm-hmm. we're in. little rant about um, capitalism, <laughs> you know. Um, <laughs> Classic. Classic. Uh, very yikes. But, uh, <laughs> um, which leads into my next inspiration, which is another book. Uh, another now by Yannis Vahofakis. Um And basically it plays in uh, 2025. So it's a futuristic book um and it looks at the world um like after the financial crisis of 2008 and then also like post covid crisis um where there's a society that's a post capitalist society and um honestly it was so incredible like it is so a little bit of a disclaimer that it is a little bit economics like heavy um, because the author, he, um, he is, he was the financial minister in Greece, um, and he's still very active in, uh, in Europe. He's a very, very interesting person, but the book was incredible, like, because it talked a lot about the things that I'm currently like thinking about anyways, because of my research and the research that I'm going to be doing over the next few years, Um, about like post-capitalist futures and like you know some of the methods like how we organize ourselves and I think a really big topic for example is at the moment like universal basic income um that like there's a lot of like gaining support for this well at least the circles that I look to um so like my echo chamber I guess is you know very like for for this concept and some countries and some regions are um trying this out at the moment but for example in this book and something that like I personally think and agree with is like, why do we even need to call it an income? Um, or like, because mm. it's it's then still attached to like labor. Whereas like, mm-hmm. for example, like he or like in this world, they just call it like the the right the human right to capital. Um, mm-hmm. so like, and yeah, for interesting. yeah, it's super interesting for like so like for example, they had like three monetary systems. It's like every person that gets born um has basically a fund that like the the state like adds money towards so like when they for example leave home or whatever or like want to start after school like their own business their own company like they already have capital which means like they don't have to rely on you know external forces to like give them grants which is a very like and that system often is very exclusionary depending on background and stuff so
0: there's one thing i just want to say quickly while we're talking about universal basic income the biggest yikes of my life. No, that's that's an exaggeration. Um, sometimes I just think about this. You know, four in the morning. The fact that um, in episode four of Yikes, I talked, I, I said universal credit when I meant universal in- basic income. I just want to, you know, address that right here, right now. Everyone, just just in case anyone thought I was um, off my rocker, um, that I, what I meant was universal basic income. Carry on, Joe. I don't <laughs>
1: even remember that. I don't even remember episode four. <laughs>
0: episode 4 the the coronavirus one I was saying like loads of things are possible now like the Tories are even endorsing and I I meant to say universal basic income and I said universal credit which is not the same thing So one thing that's probably a bit different from the stuff we talked about, but just something that's been, like, I've just enjoyed watching. I started watching um, Legendary last night. It's on, I think it's on HBO Max. Um, But it's just, like, a TV show competition Mm -hmm. on ball culture in the States. And, but then there's lots of different, like, um, ball families that come and they just, like perform and it's great and it's just exciting and enjoy and like really like I get so excited I feel like I'm watching a live show I was like applauding on the couch I was enjoying it so much um and that's just something that I've been really enjoying um and especially after like watching Pose I've become like more interested Mm and like in ball culture and how beautiful that is and like the chosen family part of it and how like amazing the performances are and fashion and Mm. everything about it it's just been really enjoyable so that's more of just something that it's a bit fun. Yeah. A bit different. Um, and then I guess another like fun thing, if you if anyone wants another book that's just more like wholesome, not a bad resistance or anything, but um, Who's Loving You, which is Joe Got Me actually, um, is a collection of short stories um, that was edited by Sarita Domingo, whose work I really like. And it's just like love stories about like people of color. And it's great. And I really enjoyed it. Um, and there's short stories, which I know isn't everyone's gang, but um, I really enjoyed it. And it's it's just really nice to dip into and dip out of. Um, so if anyone's just looking for some wholesome, easy-to-read vibes, mm. I would really recommend it.
1: That's cute. Um, yeah, that's nice. Drag Race has been bringing me a lot of joy recently. Yeah, me too. Um, I even dreamt that we were interviewing for the Yikes podcast, Bimli Bon Boulash. So, um... <laughs> uh, clearly I've been watching it. it quite a lot. Um,
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh.
1: But, um... Yeah. Um Yeah, and yeah, and I think it's
0: important to like do things that are just fun, you know, as well and like have joy. And I think that I've been trying to make sure I do that because mm. yeah, we can't be we can't everything we do can't be like resisting all the time, otherwise it's just gonna burn out mm. and be like a wreck. Um and so finding things that are joyful also great. Things that are finding all of you inspiration and unlearning and learning and feeling joy from like please like when you share this episode you could put a few things that you've been finding really motivating or inspiring or challenging or just joyful um and we'll be resharing those on the x podcast instagram so um yeah join in yeah
1: i think also what has been bringing me like a lot of joy is actually just being outside like um mm. i i've gotten into quite a habit where like like wednesday mornings are like the The morning where I'm, like, most rageful at the world, I think, at this point. Like, I think it's just, like... It's like hump day. I, I guess. I don't know. Um, I just, like... I mean, already, like, every day I'm kind of, you know... It's, like, a lot. But I know, like, that Wednesday afternoon I'm going to be, like, in the garden. Because that's, like, where I volunteer mm. in my community garden. And, like, I know, like, the the minute I step in there, I'm just, like, calm. So I can... I can just, like, really, like, give myself the, like, rageful morning and then, like, in the afternoon. And I, I'm so, like, grateful because I think through the work, like, growing up, I wasn't, like, I was out- outdoorsy, but, like, I wasn't really, like, taught around, like, having the earth as, like, my my teacher or, like, my, mm-hmm. like, kind of, like, yeah. And And, like, through the work, like, over the last few years, like, I'm so grateful, like, I found i found that relationship and i'm able to like nurture that like every day like more and more and like i don't know what Mm. i would do like without like feeling like the earth holds me and like so yeah if you you know if you can go outside like and just like see the nice flowers popping up everywhere and like watching the earth like you know grow at the moment like definitely do um yeah and hug a tree as jess would say (laughs)
0: <laughs> thank you all so much for listening to us just kind of have a bit of a random chat about things that have been inspiring us um and we hope that that was i don't know interesting people and that you'll check out some of those resources that we talked about um also I don't know if I have to say this disclaimer, but nothing that we mentioned is like sponsored or affiliated mm-hmm. in any way. These are all just things that we have bought with our own pennies and pounds and have all haven't bought because they are available for free online. Mm-hmm. Um, and have just really been inspired by and moved by. Um, and we hope that you get inspired and moved by them too. And hopefully this will give you awesome stuff to do while you're all waiting with intrepidation for season four. (laughs) Um, I don't know why I'm saying that so sarcastically. People probably are. Like, I'm waiting. I can't wait for season four. I'm I'm so excited. Um, Yeah, we have a lot planned as well. Everyone be ready, be excited. There's lots of exciting stuff coming up. um, And yeah, it's going to be a good season. And I'm looking forward to taking the time to make it good Mm -hmm. um, and to really, like, plan things out. No, like, I mean,
1: as you might be able to tell, like, our... Yeah, we're just a bit tired at this point. So, <laughs> yeah. like even just preparing for this episode, I was just like I know there's so much and like I'm, you know, I'm learning so much these days, but also like I don't even know like what. So, mm-hmm. um yeah, but I hope it still resonated with you and um yeah, we're excited to also see your inspirations and we mm-hmm. can't wait for season 4. Um but mm-hmm. yeah, the Patreon will still be going, we'll still be sharing resources. And also like old resources and stuff. And do check out the show notes. We'll put all the links there. And also um, yeah. some of the links for um, showing solidarity to the resistance movements across the world right now. Um, and do please, please, please engage with that. Um, if you do engage with any of the resources, that's the most important right now. So
0: mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah that, that definitely is. Um, and a reminder that on our Patreon as well, we... Um, even outside of seasons we post mm-hmm. bonus content on there every single week um q and a's and extra episodes and things like that so definitely check that out if you're gonna be missing some yikes in your life um over the next a period of time that we are <laughs> not sure about yet <laughs> um but thank you all so much for listening and for being part of this wonderful community mm-hmm. and learning and unlearning with us um we hope that you all have a really really lovely summertime. um and also, anyone else who's also doing exams or dissertation stuff, like the two of us, um, solidarity good and luck. best of luck. Um, we've all got this. Um, if, if you're listening to this while you're revising, then that's good vibes because we've just given you good luck while you're revising. Amazing. <laughs> if you can listen to podcasts while you revise, I honestly can't. I can't. I, d- I don't understand. I cannot. But some people can. And some people, you listen to podcasts while you run. I find that wild.
1: Yeah, is no, you, I do or that. Is it Mary no, I do that. Because it's you, yeah, yeah. I like I get lost in the story. If I just listen to music, I'm like, oh, another song, another song. Whereas <laughs> like if it's a conversation, I'm just like, okay, I need to finish it now. I was
0: thinking that my Spotify um this year is just gonna be lo-fi beats all the time, because that's all I listen to when I <laughs> study. And it's gonna make me look like I'm quite boring that I don't <laughs> that I just listen yeah. to these study playlists. Um anyway, um, as usual this podcast, all the sound magic and editing. Not that wonderful jazz was done by Finley Mowett. Um, I have been Michaela Loach, one of your co-hosts, co-producers, co-creators, all the co's. Um, you can find me on Instagram at Michaela Loach or on Twitter at the same. And I've been, well, I still am,
1: uh, Joe Becker. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I said that. Um, and you can find me at Trees and Peas uh, on Instagram. And we also have a Twitter now, uh, which Ooh, is yeah. uh, the yikes Pot, and on Instagram we are the yikes podcast so yep uh, that's us and we'll see you sometime bye, bye. everyone